Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, on the first page of the Bible, God describes how he created the universe, well, the first Genesis describes how God created the universe in six days. And on the seventh, God rested. And Genesis says this, so God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. The seventh day, according to our current contemporary translation of the Bible, is blessed and hallowed, made holy. Hallowed, a strange old English word. We get Halloween from it. It means to make something holy. In our congregation, we use an old-fashioned translation of the Lord's Prayer at this early service. Hallowed be thy name. And then at the late service, we use a contemporary translation. Hallowed be your name. They change the thy to your, but they keep the old English word hallowed as did the translators of our Bible in the 1980s. In contemporary English, we do not have a verb form of the word holy. So Old English, hallowed, is used when we want to say become holy, make holy, keep holy. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it Because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. The first time that that word is used in the Bible, kadash, is used 173 times in the Old Testament. And its Greek equivalent, hagios, is used 229 times in the New Testament. Important in the Old Testament where it is on the first page, even more important in the New Testament where it is on the last page of the Bible. It was the the Apostle Paul who used that word to describe us, the members of the body of Christ, as the holy ones, which is translated saint. It is a peculiarity of English and Germanic languages that we use a Latin word saint to describe the holy ones, the members of Christ's church. Meanwhile, we use the German word holy for the exact same concept in all other cases. So all of us church folk are familiar with these expressions, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. We're familiar with that part of the liturgy that comes from the song of the seraphim in the Old Testament. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. We're familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. And for some period of time in the British Isles, our language kept that connection because you and I, all the Christians, for a while we were called 
All Hallows. That's how we got the word Halloween, right? All Hallows Eve. All Hallows. That's how they used to say All Saints. And in the French language, the Spanish language, the Italian language, because they are not Germanic, their languages preserve the connection, the commonality of the holiness of God and the holiness of God's people. But in English, linguistically, that connection gets lost. So for a moment, I ask you to consider the meaning of holy. Let's think about the biblical foundation of holy on All Saints Day. The biblical foundation. That's a very Reformation thing to do, isn't it? Instead of speculating, trying to understand the concept in the scriptures that supposedly underlie everything we believe. And the biblical idea of holy is when things are set apart for a special reason, almost always for a good reason. As I said, on page one of the Bible, so God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it, God rested from all the work that he'd done in creation. The first use of the word holy, God made the Sabbath special. He blessed it. He set it apart. In the majesty of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, we mortals are sort of neutral. And in the vision of the Old Testament, we would occasionally enter into these holy spaces like the temple. And we would avoid work on holy occasions like the Passover, like the Sabbath. And we would see holy things like the Ark of the Covenant, like the serpent lifted up in the wilderness. And so from our ordinary lives, we would occasionally touch the extraordinary world of God. And in the law of Moses, if we touch something unclean, if we are contaminated by blood, or we eat the wrong animal, or have the wrong kind of sex, then we become unclean and unfit to enter the realm of the holy, unable to enter the temple, unable to observe the holy day, unable to be blessed by holy things because we would be unclean. And there was usually a remedy to fix that in the law of Moses, a remedy so that again we could become fit to partake in the realm of the holy. So holy first meant set apart, set apart by God for special use. And holy second meant pure, not contaminated. And a related part of holiness meant complete, unbroken, unblemished, intact. And in the Old Testament, that meant that whole categories of people and human conditions were excluded from holy places and holy occasions. Lepers, for example, men who had been castrated, called eunuchs, people with tattoos. But it was from that concept of complete completeness and unbrokenness that when 
Christianity intersected with pagan Germanic culture, the word that got chosen to translate this biblical idea was the Germanic word holy, which is related to the word whole. And that's an apt translation, a word suggesting consecration, that, that holy means set apart, that could have been chosen by those Germans, whoever they were. A word suggesting purity, that, that, that the holy means clean, that might have been chosen. But wholeness, unbrokenness, completeness, that is the aspect of holiness that the Germanic peoples emphasized when they chose their word holy to translate this ancient Hebrew concept, this Latin concept of sanctus. It's unfortunate how our contemporary word saint has come to mean a goody-goody. It has taken on a moral meaning that isn't really in the Bible. And our casual use of the word saint overemphasizes that Old Testament concept of clean and unclean which Jesus was always quick to correct. In today's gospel, the Beatitudes, Jesus does not say, blessed are the pure. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus also hastened to touch lepers, to allow hemorrhaging women to touch him, and to drink from the jar of a Gentile Samaritan woman. So we draw the wrong conclusion about sainthood when we think of an elite group that stands apart from the rest of humanity. The writers of the Bible understand holiness to be a condition that is decreed by God and created by God. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, who used the word saint first, and far more often than any writer in the Bible for Paul, saints are decreed by God and created by God. Sainthood is not something to boast about, but sainthood is conferred because God sets us apart for special good. Just as on page one, God set aside the seventh day and hallowed it so that it would provide rest and teaching and memory and beauty. So God sets us aside for special good. We are declared holy. We are consecrated. We are saints. And finally, the writers of the Bible understood holiness to be the condition of wholeness and wellness, of completion and restoration. When we think about our departed loved ones as saints, I think it is important to go back to the biblical roots of that word, which is that our loved ones are holy, whole, now, and complete in the presence of God. I said that the Bible has holiness on the first page and holiness on the last page. This is the last sentence of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. If you work really hard and read for a long time, you'll get there. 
Or you can just skip to the back. The last sentence of the Bible, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. God's grace to all the holy ones, all hallows. A good way to end the Bible. A good way to end a sermon on All Saints Sunday. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen.